we go. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. I fight for the users. The CPU is a neural net processor, a learning computer. Welcome, everybody, to Tech to You Tuesdays. Welcome back. Uh, for everybody uh, listening on the radio, we've got uh, some fun stuff to talk about today. For anybody watching Rad TV, I've got some fun stuff to show you today that we'll, of course, talk about too. Uh, with me today, I've got Ryan, our guest, uh, again. And for as a reminder for everybody, Ryan is our uh, remote support manager, uh, manages our team of remote support technicians, and also is an Android user. Yep. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit today. Um, and uh, we have a few different uh, topics that we're going we're gonna to go over that are kind of the some typical things that we go over, scams, stuff like that. But uh, one of them is going to be a little bit more Android related. So uh, Ryan can kind of fill in some blanks for where my iPhone knowledge gets capped. Uh, you've been walking around with six Androids lately this last week. You should be a right expert. I, I now have five Androids and and an extra iPhone. We've been doing a lot of a lot of uh, development uh, testing. Le legacy iPhone testing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> legacy iPhone. It's been funny, like learning... Um, just it's funny like little things like dude how do you search for where the apps are and it's funny because like on an iphone you kind of put your finger in the middle of the screen and swipe down and that's this universal search and it's just the same thing on android but you but swipe up. up yeah it's just like all these little nuances and it's so funny to hear people like i don't like this type of phone because of blah 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 but i've been using now five or six different androids mostly samsung's a google pixel I've started to develop a lot of opinions, but overall, like if I was switching to an Android, an S24 is a really great phone. Yeah. Like that thing is incredible. The Pixel though, I will say is like a Pixel 8 Pro I haven't had a chance to use yet, but the Pixel user interface is so much better than Samsung's. So you know how when you change something on Windows and then you do a Windows update, Microsoft likes to shoehorn back in its software and, mm -hmm. and make those changes yeah. Here's for Edge you? Here's Edge again. That's what it's like running on samsung because uh, they they try yeah. to shoehorn in bixby to replace those those fun google features that android already has yeah well i um <laughs> i'm i'm starting to de to develop an opinion of of favor of different android devices right but one of the things we're going to talk about today is going to be uh android and iphone we're going to talk about uh the tap to pay concepts you know so you use your phone to pay for things in the grocery store or at the restaurant or whatever it is auto parts store anybody that takes the tap to pay functions right. um the reason why we're going to go over those today is because there is a new uh form i wouldn't say it's like brand new but it's becoming significantly more popular a new form of of fraud is probably the easiest way to describe it one of the things that uh, most people, I would say, would know about, probably anybody listening to the show knows about, is card skimmers. So right. the type of thing where you take your credit card to even an ATM, but especially like a gas station. A little or, liquor store. Right, liquor store. And they have the little terminal. It has a screen on it, and it has a couple, you know, it has the keypad for you to type in your PIN code. And on the right side, there's like the little swiper. You mm. swipe your card. And, on, and, and usually underneath it, or kind of in the middle, there's the thing where you can insert your card. It's got the little cover so you can hide your pin. Yeah, right. Yeah, I got the little cover around it. Um, and and for I think what's happening is like Ingenico is a company that makes those products. Um, they're really taking like a huge uh, part part of the market on on uh, the swipers and the little you know screens and that that like device that we're devices. talking about. Yeah, a little point of sale device, credit card processing terminal, whatever you want to call them. 
Um, we use uh, Ingenico, Ingenico brand devices in different businesses. And there's other brands out there, but they're, they're definitely one of the leading ones. And they have a really simple, it's kind of the one that everybody has seen. Like you talked about, it's got that little rubber thing that kind of covers your, that I feel like Target and lots of grocery stores and stuff use that same one. Um, but as a result of it being so immensely popular, it's very easy for people to get their hands on used ones, broken ones. And then from there, what they do is they take off the actual legitimate top of right. these things with you know, a little square for the cutout for the screen and the keypad and all that. And what they do is they just kind of modify the like little pieces, cut out pieces, change some pieces, and they install a credit card skimmer. Mm -hmm. So when you go to swipe your card, there's an extra piece of electronics in there that are storing your uh, your card numbers, right. you know, or whatever information they can pull. Usually it's card number, expiration date, st stuff like that. And... Um, that's a been kind of an I almost say I want to say an old scam at this point. Sure, yeah. Uh, it's the way that people capture your credit card information, or at least one of the common ways people capture. I would say it's it. probably the most common way, as you know, when not talking about having it uh, leaked or found online from malicious software. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And because um, you know, if if let's say that like a gas station attendant is in on this scam, that's been ha that's happened. That sure. that has happened in Sacramento very recently. Um, they got called out on like Instagram and Facebook. There's a video of a guy there like recording it and showing showing the guy behind the counter like, why are you not removing this when I called you out on it? You know. Yeah. And um, the 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 benefit for the scammer is that they get your card number which they can then sell they can use to buy things online you know depending on what information they gather um but the uh for for the consumer for us those are something that we're starting to become conscious of yeah so a lot of people you and i maybe in particular whenever we go to a place where we're going to swipe our card we'll take a quick look and like kind of even pry the edges you can jiggle it yeah, yeah you those things like, will just flop right off usually they just come off very easily because the person who's installing them a lot of times is doing it in a hurry especially hey, if can it's you like, get me that bottle off the back shelf yeah boom yeah install exactly right and, and sometimes uh it's actual atm machines um, and they have to they have to install these like right. you know fancy overlays that they've created uh, pretty fast. So they usually come off really fast. So yeah, you, if you're at an ATM machine and you're not sure, like grab some edges and yank on it yeah, a little just bit. Jiggle it. Yeah, um, wherever you want to, like anywhere you, where, around where you put your card in, pull on it. Sometimes you'll be blown away when the whole front comes off and it's got all these yeah. like literally glued and taped together components. Oh, have you seen the one? It was I think it was out of like South America, but somebody walked up and they lifted it. And it was like a whole placement front panel yes the whole thing yes. they, yeah, and that's what i'm talking about they just like you know when these atm companies um <clears throat> when they have devices fail it's not like they're the only it's not like just chase uses that atm sure you know wells fargo or whatever other bank will use those too so they just sell the you know components and atm manufacturers or or resellers or whatever will buy them so yeah. it, it, there's no there's no laws against buying used atm hardware and then it's the, the illegal part is obviously installing your own stuff right. on it, but, right? So um, anyway, when it comes to these scams, a more common one, we, we what we were just talking about is called skimming, skimming, card skimming. There's a new one called shimming, and it's kind of an interesting name. Basically, you know, when you think of like shimming a piece of trim in your house or whatever, it, it's, it's basically what you do is you take a uh, credit card shaped device, it could be a credit card, and you... Uh, you put a little uh, sensor on your credit card with some tape. Um, it's hard to describe like for the people on the radio, but you basically have your 
scam device, which is very thin, paper thin, right. um, on a, a credit card shaped thing. You stick it in the machine where you do the, uh, uh, not tap to pay, but you do the, uh, chip. what do they call it? Yeah, chip reader. Yeah. Um, you can think of it like putting a, a paper clip on the end of your credit card and shoving and, it in the chip reader. Right, yeah. And then that's something a great gets left it. behind in it. Something gets stuck inside of the machine. And now the downside to that for us as consumers <laughs> is we can't see that. Nope. I mean, even with a flashlight, it would be really hard to like get down in there and really see that there's anything there. And it's teeny tiny. Um, and then basically, <clears throat> the scammer will also have another credit card shaped device that they can stick back in there at some point and pull their hardware back out. Right. Um, and their hardware, again, paper thin, it's reading the same thing that you it would read when you swipe your card. Right. Um, so it's getting a credit card number and and still allowing fraud to happen. So for quite some time, it was like, oh, okay, you know, tap to pay is this more, or sorry, not tap to pay, but chip to pay, you know, inserting your chip, is this more secure process for, for paying with your card? But at this point, it's really not. Yeah. It's not anymore secure, unfortunately. I mean, there are... And it's funny that it's still not because of the mag strip that gets left on it. Right, yeah, so it, it right, exactly. And it, so it's not, uh, it's not as poorly secured as a mag strip, but it's pretty close at this point right. with new methods of, of capturing information. So what do you do as a consumer? Like if you're, you know, you're worried you wanna have, you're gonna have your, your card stolen, um, what are you gonna do? Uh, tap to pay is one of the best things that you can do. Most credit cards now even have like a little wireless logo on them and mm -hmm. allow you to tap to pay there, but really, infinitely better than that is using something like Apple Pay or Google Wallet or Samsung Pay or whatever your device supports. Um, it, my, my experience in particular is with Apple Pay, yours mm -hmm. with Google Pay. Right. Um, I have a company credit card in there. I have a personal credit card in there. Um, you know, in the, in the wallet app on an iPhone, same as on an Android, I can store things like um, uh, my plane tickets, you know, like a membership little, cards. Yeah, membership cards for certain companies. If you do public transport, a lot of public transport stuff is is compatible in there. Um, and the reason why I highly, highly recommend that anybody using any modern iPhone or any modern Android use Tap to Pay, use the Google Wallet application or the Apple Wallet application to put your card in. It's so easy to do. Mm. Is that when I go to the convenience store, which has a payment terminal and it has the little scammy devices all over it all of the latest and greatest scam hardware installed on the front when i use tap to pay with my phone even if they did have a feature which could read all of the information i'm sending them wirelessly through that tap to pay i'm not sending them my credit card number right they're getting what's called a tokenized credit card so what that means is my, we, we all know that you know, a credit card number is going to be that typical 16 digits. You know, if it's Visa, it always starts with a four, and, and, and there's like very consistent patterns right. in, in um, how we use credit cards. W however, when you use Tap to Pay with Android Pay or or uh, or sorry with a Google Wallet or uh, Apple Pay, it's translating your credit card number into a random string that can only be used one time. So Apple, in in my case is reaching out to my bank and saying, hey, we need to process a transaction for $52.19. Bank says, no problem. Apple generates a one-time code, authorizes the transaction with a merchant that I'm at the liquor store or whatever for 52 bucks. And if somebody, uh, it's you know, not that much liquor, really, depending on what you're I buying. I guess, yeah, you know, I must be out of touch. One <laughs> bottle of good bourbon, you know. Sure. Uh, so I, uh, I, I then, I, 
I pay, the merchant gets their money, and if there was a scamming device on there, the only thing they've captured was a one-time code that can never, ever be used again. Right. So they got nothing of value. Um, that is the number one reason why I recommend it, but there are also other small reasons. Just convenience is a, is a huge one. I use yeah. my watch. I actually, so I have an older Apple watch. I think it's a series five. So it's like four or five years old. Mm. Um, so this has been around for a while and you can in the Apple watch app uh, uh, or the wallet app, you can just add whatever credit cards you have an Apple wallet yep. right on your watch. So I actually pay with my watch. Well, most places I go, I don't even pull my phone out of my pocket. My wallet doesn't come out of my pocket. I pretty much just double tap my watch and then press it down to pay. What if somebody steals my watch? Well, it's locked. It's, it's locked. Encrypted. You can't, and yeah. it's, it's encrypted. It's locked. You can't use it. What if somebody steals my phone? Same thing. I have a code on it. It's encrypted. You can't use it. You have to have my, my code or my biometric security to yeah. get into it. So uh, much easier than just what if somebody steals my wallet? Well, now you have my credit card and you go wherever you want and spend it. So sure, is it is it a perfect security system with a phone? No, not at all. But it's good enough. It's it, better. Yeah, yeah, it's it's significantly better. Um, so uh, I, I, I wanted to kind of just have this topic as as almost just a PSA if anything yeah. of just because you have that chip and people say like oh you use chip to pay or if you've heard that it's more secure still tap it it's not wrong yeah all, always do tap to pay whenever you can especially with a phone um, going into the uh, Apple Wallet or Google Wallet <sighs> application that's built into your phone, the instructions that they give you are incredibly straightforward. 99% um, of people will have a bank that is compatible. Some banks aren't. Some well, then I think the thing that people are going to run into more often is a mom and pop shop being like, "Oh, I don't know what Apple Pay or Google Pay is." And sure. It's like, oh well, you know, if you can if you can tap your card to the point of sale device, you can tap your phone to it. Exactly. Yep. Don't, don't, it, it don't overthink work. it. Just yeah, process it the transaction. Just try it. Just try it. If it, does, if it doesn't read, then you got to go back to the old card method. So anyway, good good public service announcement to start the show off with. We got some other things to go over. Uh, we're going to talk about um, a good email I got about a password formatting question. Uh, also, uh, cheap PCs that you can buy online that come pre-installed with spyware to watch what you're doing. Uh, we'll talk about that and a little bit more when we're uh, back in just a minute. Welcome back to Tech to You Tuesdays. Uh, theme of the day uh, so far is money. So we got a little Pink Floyd money. I love doing these commercial break things. This is kind of fun. Uh, I, I was at, at first, I was kind of like, "Hey, if we get breaks now." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. First off, we get a break. Uh, that's cool. But the other one was like, "Oh man, I got to come up with like return audio every time." But it's actually kind of fun. Put put together kind of fast. Um, so uh, we were talking about money a little bit on the on the first one, and this one stays kind of on that same track about scams and not losing money. A great question came in, and I wanted to read it. Um, this question uh, question came in from Craig, and I'm going to go through this email. I'll probably like skim portions of it just so that we don't go through the whole thing, but I'll get, I'll, I'll get as much of it as is, is relevant here. So uh, email from Craig says, good day, Ian. First off, I'm very much enjoying Tech to You Tuesdays. Keep up the good work, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, I'd like to share a scenario and a few questions and get your expert opinion on the matter, please. I wouldn't consider myself a complete expert on passwords, but I, I'm sure I've been doing it for 15 years, I guess. Is that expert? What's what's the, th how many hours is it? Isn't it 10,000 hours? 10,000 hours? I've been doing it for way over 10,000 hours. So I guess I'm an expert. Was it nine, 
I calculated this for like nine years the other day. Oh, really? For, yeah. for unrelated reasons. How many reasons. hours? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, it was like, it was like 20, 22,000 hours. I was like, yeah, I thought I might be an expert. <laughs> so he says, I'm concerned about the mother of all breaches you shared. That was a topic we talked about recently, a huge data breach of passwords <clears throat> um, and making sure that you're not using the same password in more than one website to reduce the likelihood of your stuff getting hacked. So that's what he's talking about. I know I seriously need to work on this and I've been using the same password or variation of it for close to two decades. My wife and I recently have made joint accounts to do the same with our shared passwords. I have an iPhone and use the save password feature. Uh, I'd like to change all my passwords. It's going to be a lot of work, right? Daunting. So he says, I'd like to change all uh, all my passwords and I'm ready to spend the time and energy to protect myself and my family. Awesome. Love to hear it. Uh, Typically, my wife will ask me for our password because we know... Uh, our our devices are always listening. We don't just blurt out a password out loud and he's talking about it in his house. So if he's got like Amazon Alexa and he's skeptical of obviously what it's listening to, he's not saying it out loud. So he says instead, we will refer to the original, you know, ABCDEFG1 is what I'll say to her like the original. So let's just say that their password is the word password for simplicity's sake. So he says it's it's password, but with a one at the end or it's password, but with an exclamation or, or, or and instead of saying the word password, he says it's the normal password with a one at the end or what, you know, whatever it's going to be. And so he has these variations of the same prefix on all of his passwords Mm. so he goes on to say uh, as you've been teaching us i know the best line of defense is to use auto-generated passwords to create unique long and complex passwords every time i'm wondering if it is safe to kind of meet in the middle and do both what i mean by that is can we still use our original password so again we'll just pretend it's the word password um, our original password and combine it with a certain number of random characters generated from a password generator if so what's the bare minimum of characters to borrow from the generator uh, example with the above or you know quote-unquote original password so apple creates these with its uh, built-in iphone and macbook you know password uh, service it creates these passwords that are six characters and then a dash and then six more characters and a dash and six more characters. That's it. So it's like a total of 20 characters, including the dashes. He says, can we safely create, you know, my, the word password plus six random letters at the end that it generated. And so when my wife asks me, what's the password for Netflix? I can say it's the normal password. And then R E Q one, four, seven. Can I do that? A short answer is yes, of course you can. It would be better than what? It's using the better than what you're doing now. It's better than what you're doing now. And it is not really, it really is not a bad compromise. I don't think Um, because especially if you're using six additional characters on top, that's a pretty good number. Each each character exponentially increases the amount of time taken to force crack that that password. the, the, The downside here is that in the event that somebody does, um, identify that you've used this format on more than one website. Now you only have a six character password. Right. Effectively. Right. Um, so you could do other variations. You could throw a capital at the beginning of your normal password that you would use, you know, capital P for password or whatever. Um, I, I, the thing that I, I don't like about this is you are kind of, it, it I say this a lot. It's, convenience at the cost of security Um, and you are absolutely taking the approach of convenience still here so if it let's say that this was a staff member of tech to you who has access to important client information the answer would be 
unequivocally no. No. It's not acceptable. <laughs> it needs to be a 20 character, alphanumeric, random string. You can't even know what it is. I mean, there's no way you should be able to remember this password. And then we use our password management software to um, safely you know, log into the two-factor, biometrics, whatever. Right. Now that said, um, let's say that uh, there, there's a couple free websites that we log into that we use for tools. Like, for example, there's this website, Security Trails, where we can see um, public records of how somebody's website and their email and stuff are configured that people call us like, hey, my email stopped working. So we log into our security trails account. We just kind of look at like, all right, here's how the history worked. Here's what IP was pointing to what server, blah, 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 blah. And the security trails website is free. Um, And we log in with, you know, like my login might be Ian at techtu.com, for example. Um, And maybe if I used like a low grade password for something like that, it's not really a big deal. And even if I use that same password on other low grade websites, not good practice. But as long as I'm using them for things that have zero What are the stakes? What are the stakes? Somebody gets a hold of my security trails account and then they can also look things up for free. Yeah. There's, There's no- nothing that they do. My birthday is not in there. In it. Right. I don't have my birthday in there. I'm not paying for anything. There's no security questions stored in my user profile. There's nothing there that could be of risk to me. Right. So I, I would say that the answer to your question is a little bit of both. It's probably fine for things that are low grade risk. Um, in the event that somebody gets access to your Netflix account, you know, there's some things that they can do, but not a whole lot. I mean, you could always reset the password as long as you still maintain control of your email address. What I say a lot is, is that there's kind of two passwords that man- matter more than anything. One of them is if you're using a password manager like LastPass, that is your number one password that has to be good. And it's never used anywhere else. And there's no variation of it used anywhere else. You know, if, if you're using the, the name of your kid's soccer team as your primary password for everything, do not use that. Don't even use a family member's name right. for, for LastPass. Come up with something unique. Um, the next one is your email address password um, because you can reset passwords using your email account. So that's another kind of key to the kingdom, right? So those are the two accounts I would say must be very, very unique. Um, even bank accounts, I would say, are less important to a degree than those two because those are the two that will give somebody keys to everything. Sure. Somebody got to your email and it's the email you use for the bank. They're going to get to it. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, when it comes to uh, password security, um, with regards to password managers, we've talked a lot about those. The the, the general answer I like to give everybody is using a unique password for every single website that you log into. Mm. It's the best best practice, hands down. Um, and, and a great question, Craig. I appreciate you sending that in. Um, that's, a, that's a really good one, too. Just the kind of, you know, cost of convenience is, is always one that uh, comes up. And I think that ultimately what you're doing is probably going to be just fine. It's probably not a big deal. Um, but you know that our side is going to kind of tell you, well, the more paranoid and more secure way to do it is something unique every single time. So um, speaking of, of security and your stuff leaking... Uh, on the internet, um, hopefully your stuff's not leaking, but <laughs> at least not on the internet. <laughs> yeah, not that's on the, the internet. That's the worst place for <laughs> you it don't to want go. your stuff to be leaking on the internet. So um, there was a, a report that came out recently. Uh, I think you were the one who found this. I think right. Um, the, yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually I have a picture of this computer. Let me bring this up real quick. Um, there's a mini PC maker. I'll let you explain that while I pull this up. The mini PC maker. <sighs> yeah, they're, they're you know just some some company overseas they they have a couple of different brands on Amazon i think it was like magician pc and magic pc and but they're they're known for being really cheap 
I don't want to say fly by night, but that's probably Almost. closer to what they are. Yeah. yeah. Mini PCs and what they're known for is how, how cheap they are. Why? 200 bucks for a desktop. For a desktop that has, you know, a Ryzen 7 in it. You yeah. know, it's going to be able to, it's not going to play things crazy good. It mm -hmm. doesn't have a dedicated GPU, but you can play Minecraft, Roblox. Sure. They, they are fair to say that they're an entry level gaming rig. They're not expandable. You can't upgrade them very well, but for $300, $250, that's fantastic, you know. Um, but what's what's happening is, you know, as the saying goes, you get what you pay for. Um, they're shipping with, with two different kinds of spyware on them that are known to uh, track keystrokes, send them back, and gather information about what you're doing on the computer. And this is something that Ryan's team deals with yeah. every single day, um, this type of spyware, right. how to remove it, how to identify it. Uh, what's what's kind of scary about this is that these were for sale on Amazon. Still are. So, uh, yeah, right, variations, right? And um, the, the reason I showed that picture of the computers, it's just kind of an example of, it's an odd-looking PC, and if you see it for sale from a different, web store you know like oh it's being sold here for 200 but it's being sold here for three it's the same computer it's the same computer yeah. um and the, what's kind of scary about it is that these manufacturers who put these things together in china or wherever it's being done and, and are installing um software on it they're they're creating businesses that have to legitimize themselves with amazon to be a seller right and they can just spin these up constantly I mean, yeah nothing stop hey we're somebody. not magic pc anymore we're magic computer right exactly and and so and you know again. you register with the state of california to start a business you get an ein and whatever whatever it is that you, it's not hard you could do the whole thing on the internet you can pay legal shield or whatever to do it for like 800 bucks but they're making thousands of dollars yeah. off of off of every one of these businesses if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in scam money because they're collecting things like credit card information and and user data and secure what's, social security numbers. what's the first thing you do on a brand new computer that you get sign in sign into everything that you have sign into all your accounts set up your email sign into your email type put in your two-factor phone number they like all of that the amount of passwords that they must get from each one of these sales is absurd right and then yeah. the worst part was that uh, god the funny thing was that when when the guy who found out about it or some of the initial reports that were coming in for it were that uh he would he just fired it up on a fresh install and windows defender immediately found something running like Hey, you would think that I didn't even realize it they, was Windows Defender. It was Windows he, Defender. Wow. He double scanned it with other stuff to find out. That's funny. And then, of course, when reinstalling it, found out that's how it was installed on the recovery partition. So, which is the worst part. If you wanted to buy, if you, let's say you bought a computer and you're like, to be extra safe, I'm going to take this computer I just bought on Amazon and I'm just going to do a factory restore right out of the box just to eliminate the need of, or like any potential software. Like Ryan's saying, they install the virus in the recovery partition. So even if you run the recovery, like wipe your operating system and reinstall it, it's just putting those viruses right back it where they were. It is a part of your operating system now. <laughs> now, that said, 99.99% of the time, techs like us can wipe that stuff out. Sure. But there are vulnerabilities that have come out hardware level yeah, which are very difficult to get rid of. We have talked about them in, in previous episodes. They're incredibly rare. And right. manufacturers have been patching their hardware to not allow these vulnerabilities to happen. But generally speaking, there is a way to erase your hard drive entirely and then do a clean install of Windows. It's what guys like us would do. If you went to the store and actually bought an off-the-shelf PC, which would be weird for us, we build our own. But if you did, you had a right. reason to, what's the first thing you'd do? Format the drive. Format the drive down to zero data and at all. Install my own OS. Our own version of Windows, right? And uh, and the reason for that is that every computer that you buy, regardless of it 
having potential spyware from some company that somebody put their grubby little fingers on it. Somebody I hate that put their little, <laughs> I want my, I want your information software in their computer. And, and it's not a f- scam necessarily, but like, let's say you buy an HP is a great example of a budget computer and, and a great example of you get what you pay for. Um, but they will install software. That's like the HP smart software. And it's just junk. You just don't need it. It's just, it slows things down. It starts every time you start windows. So, uh, we get rid of that yeah. junk and we do a clean install of, of, of windows and get rid of all the, all like, even if you buy it, like Asus is not a bad manufacturer of computer. Lenovo is really not saying Lenovo is the one to talk about for the, cause they had the super fish scandal, but this isn't even, I we're know, not even talking know. the same thing. When we're talking about hardware, Lenovo is not that bad. I mean, they, sure. they, they have every, every manufacturer kind of has its quirks. We've, we've been pretty, a pretty good fan of Dell recently, relatively reliable, good with software. But um, we're not really partial to anybody, sure. and, and and we really don't like anybody. You know, that's kind of everybody has their flaws. Um, but uh, for the most part, those flaws can be worked out by simply wiping the operating right. system and then installing a clean one. Most manufacturers manufacture decent stuff. Most name brand manufacturers you buy in the big blue store, they generally have good computers. I, I would usually recommend HP is not my bag, but there's there's plenty of good computers there. And um, if you do a clean install of Windows, you just want to know that when you do that clean install, you're wiping out all of the junk. But if you buy a computer from the store, it puts that stuff back. Yeah, it's it's having only what you need for the system to function being there from the right, start. Right, exactly. Um, now, when it <laughs> now when it comes to these uh, scams, how do you how would you identify it? You know, what what would a person do? It's kind of silly that the scam that we're talking about, where these this company got caught installing spyware on computers. It's silly that their software on the computers that they sent to people was caught by Windows Defender, which is built into Windows. Man, like if it if they had at least you know removed Windows Defender or built something that could get around it, or turned off the notifications for it. Right, there's plenty of things that they could have done, but they didn't. It was just, you know obviously probably would have required them to set up the user, and that would have been a different red flag. Sure, sure, but yeah, so yeah, right. If they care, but I think that. M- you and I would have noticed that immediately. Oh, if, the user if I, got, if I opened up. A, a computer and it had the user account yeah, Here's up. your password to log into Windows. Huge red flag, right? But most people buying a computer haven't bought one for five plus years. And like, oh, this is just the way it goes. But you and I have set up, I don't know, a hundred plus computers in the last couple of months. Like it, it's, well, you, not me. <laughs> but um, that's something that uh, we become uh, really accustomed to is, right. is is what the process should look like, this right yeah and so you know most people aren't going to identify these things so what do you do if you if you're if you're not really sure you just bought a new computer whether it's online or at a store or whatever how do you verify that it is safe i mean they really the best thing to do is just have a good antivirus program um windows defender is not that bad it's it, gotten so much better it really has i mean i, it, I still love to to give it yeah flack, it's but it's 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 gotten better right but it, it's it's free yeah, it's free. It's included in Windows, and it generally does a pretty decent job at this point. Um, we re- recommend a company called Webroot, but we have a very specific version of it that we use, which is called Endpoint Protection. Right. One of the reasons we like it so much is it basically, I can't say it uses no system resources, but it's right. very, very light, uh, lightweight on your computer. It's part of the reason why Tech2U recommends it is because we've had so many customers over the years before we started using Webroot say, well, when I run a scan, everything slows down and I can't really work. And I don't want to leave my computer on 24 seven to run a scan at midnight. I just want it on when I want to use it. Totally reasonable complaint. Right. That's one of the main reasons we switched to Webroot. Especially because we were still seeing a significant volume of like XP and Windows 7 devices. Right. Which were not, I mean, everything got so much stronger in the last 
Yeah, Windows 7 really years. changed the game a lot, but Windows 11 in particular has has really made strides in, in um, less problems with an operating system. Yeah. So uh, yeah, just have a paid antivirus program. That's kind of the answer to, to what I'm bringing up is that if you're unsure of whether or not you have junk in that computer that shouldn't be there. Yeah, before you run, before you sign into your accounts run an antivirus right 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 yeah and and it could be you know the the program of your choice we we talk a lot about companies we don't like um we've talked about a few that we do uh, if you're ever not sure you can reach out to us and ask for some help some guidance on what might work best for you um, but having a paid antivirus program is something that does go a long way i say that knowing that guys like ryan and I that i don't have one on my computer <laughs> don't run antivirus yeah neither of us do um i do run antivirus a paid antivirus actually i run webroot on my server at home mm -hmm. i run webroot on this pc just because it has work-related stuff on it sure along with some other protections that i probably shouldn't talk about how our protections work internally do tell yeah right but we have um I guess the best way for me to say is we have some more corporate level protections built yeah. into some of our PCs. Something that you would hope a business has. Right. Especially one like us, which is being entrusted by our customers to, to ha you know, make sure their stuff is safe. Right. Um, so we, we take, a, we take a little bit more of a high security approach that does come at the cost of convenience for sure. Um, and, and especially with some of the things that we do. But anyway, um, if you're, if you're not sure, just run the scan. Uh, if you're looking for a new computer, another thing too is, well, how can I avoid buying one of these, you know, PCs that might come with, with this junk? You know, the hard part is that if you go to Amazon, which is, let's just be real, that's where a lot of people are buying yep. all their stuff now. Um, hell, we have to buy stuff from them now, too, because even some of our direct suppliers can't beat Amazon's prices. Yeah. So um, the, you're buying a computer from Amazon. It's a Dell. It's a laptop. It's fifteen hundred bucks. It's you're not getting it from an Amazon seller on the marketplace. You're maybe getting... you know right, but the, even that can be hard to <laughs> to determine yeah. sometimes. I mean, I do have to kind of do the double check sometimes. Who is fulfilling this order? Right. And it will tell you on the actual product screen. It'll say fulfilled by Amazon. It's kind of the key. It's usually right next to the add to cart button. Yeah. You're going to see that there. If it's fulfilled by Amazon, there's a much higher chance that everything's going to be okay. It doesn't mean it will be. No. I, I have ordered a, uh, a a very expensive VR headset from Amazon years ago that came with a brick in the box. Yeah, So because they check every return. Right, and it was fulfilled by Amazon. <laughs> so somebody put a brick in that box that worked at Amazon. And, um, you know, they'll make it right, obviously. But uh, buying online is, especially from Amazon, can be a little bit of the, a roll of the dice. Uh, buying from a local retailer is a lot more likely that you'll have a success and probably right. won't get a, get scammed. Buying directly from a manufacturer is usually a really great idea. Um, getting it from, like if you're going to buy a Dell, going to Dell.com, you typically won't save too much money by going to Amazon and looking for sales. This conversation is making me miss fries. Miss what? Fries. Oh, God, so much. Yeah, fries electronics <laughs> closed, uh, what was it, a year and a half, two years? Maybe it's been longer than that Wasn't now. Wasn't just before or just after COVID? When we were when we were opening up uh, Fire Up, our uh, esports gaming center in the Sacramento area, um, we we were buying some kind of last minute things. This is in 2019. We yeah. bought some like last minute stuff, and and Todd and I, one of the owners of Tech to You and Fire Up, uh, we walked into the fries that that was relatively close to our actual gaming center, and um, it was just massive areas of vacant shelves. Yeah. And I, I, I was like... It got real sad toward the end there. I was really depressed walking through it because this is a place like going to college. I used to go in there and buy resistors, like very specific resistor packs for testing. 
I went to college for electronics engineering, so it was very rare that you could go to a local store and buy a lot of these unique components. Yeah. They had everything. They had every part you could need to buy a computer. I miss it so much. Uh, we could talk about that for too long, but I'll save my listeners' ears and <laughs> and try and try and uh, keep it relevant for you. Um, anyway, buying buying from a big box store is usually going to be fine, uh, but buying online. The other one is that it's not that I want to not give business to the smaller manufacturers of computers, but the likelihood is that if you're buying from a company whose name you've heard of before, it's probably going to be a better... They they want to keep that household name. Yeah. Their, their image is going to matter a lot more to them. Yeah, I mean, and some are, some are better than others, but, um, you know, looking, looking at companies where, where you see a name that you're like, well, that looks like Toshiba, that looks similar to Sony. That's, that's got a, all the same letters as Toshiba, yeah, but in a different order. That's a really big red flag. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, that's that's how most scam companies do make products, is they try to make the Dell logo look really similar. Yeah. Um, and it'll be called like E-Dell, you know. And, yeah. the, and It's D-E and two capital I's. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like off-brand sneakers, kind of the same concept. So you got to keep an eye out for that kind of thing. Um, but usually, if like if you pay, pay for Amazon Prime, um, kind of one of the things I've noticed too is a lot of the vendors who uh, are legitimate will have prime options available. Um, it's not to say that's all of them by any right. means, but it's a kind of a good initial filter to look for. And if you're already paying for prime, you get the free shipping. Um, so that's one of the things that you could look for. And then of course, if, if you're just really not sure, like I just don't want to buy a computer from a store with any preloaded junk of any kind, you can build it yourself. Yeah. It's not that hard. There's plenty of YouTube videos on how to build a PC or obviously companies like us do it too. Right. Um, even if you bought a computer though from a store and you're just like, look, I just want it set up the best way possible. That's a service we provide, but it's also something you could figure out how to do for yourself. Right. YouTube videos are amazing for this kind of thing. Um, and if you have questions on that or you're interested in having Ian have a talk a topic about that kind of thing in the show, I'm happy to talk about it. So if you have a specific question on how to begin or, or whatever it takes to build a PC, we can, we can go over that in a future show. So um, we're going we're gonna to start a topic and we're going to finish it up when we come back from a break in a little bit here. But uh, speaking of people scamming you that are, um, we were talking about small companies, right? Uh, sometimes major companies. Sure. Um, I, I, I would say, let's think of like, you, you, you actually started this really well. When major companies don't have enough employees, they contract people out from other businesses right. or even individuals. Like for example, Amazon hat was in the news recently because they're finally going to have their contact contracted drivers have like their ID and their like, or their, their, their picture, of their face and their name show up in your Amazon app. Oh, kind of like Uber when right. somebody's picking you up. Right. So like I've had, I've accidentally selected the drop it off at my house between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. thing mm. where I just was like going through the checkout like, yeah, it'll get here soon, whatever. And and then a guy drops off a cable at my door at 2.30 in the morning. I get a notification that there's somebody standing in my doorway because I have that type of notification turned on with my doorbell camera. And I'm like, what the hell is somebody doing at my door right now? Right. Um, obviously, that was my mistake for not paying attention. But if I did want to, I could at least verify that the car pulled up was the one that was expected. This is a new Amazon thing that they're doing. Um, I got myself sidetracked. When it comes to contractors, though, uh, Xfinity, a, co a cable company, or Comcast, a cable company in our area in Sacramento, um, they contract people all the time for ADT. ADT, same thing. Contract people all the time for installs of the security system in your home. Um, Comcast will contract private individuals, usually private companies, though, is more right. common, um, to to come out and install your, your home internet uh, system. Those contractors 
are not direct employees of the company that you called. And, and, you know, and in many cases, that's how it works out. Those contractors um, will also have, in many cases, more strict requirements of like what they need to finish, how many jobs they have to do right. in a day. Um, oh, and, and of course, my assumption is they're going through background checks and they're safe and they're probably safe to have in your home and probably, generally speaking, a, a person that you could rely on to do a good job most of the time. But contractors are not obligated to the company in the same way right. that a direct employee is. And uh, as, a, as a manager of tech to you. I couldn't even fathom contracting another company to go out on our behalf to go perform services in somebody's home. I just couldn't imagine. Yeah. We go through such a lengthy hiring process and, and the interview process and making sure people are a good fit to have somebody in your home. It, it like, it would, uh, the, I, the idea of us contracting somebody like could never even be a possibility. It, uh, you could never get the same quality. So a company that got in some hot water recently, uh, Samsung who makes TV, they make a lot of electronics, but they make TVs and, uh, Samsung, uh, does contract third party, um, uh, repair technicians for, let's say your TV stopped working and right. it's under warranty and they have somebody come out to your home to, to repair it. They do contract third party companies or third party, um, individuals and businesses to come out to your home. But they do also send out legitimate direct from Samsung employees under certain circumstances. But in this case, the one that made the news, uh, this was a third-party company, right? Is what right. you read? He was okay. a contractor. So this is a contractor that works for another company that Samsung hired to go out and perform a repair. Um, and he uh, very egregiously lied to the customer and then made the customer's life a whole lot worse without his knowledge immediately right. about what was going on. Um, he basically, this contractor basically scammed this customer out of what was probably a $2,000 TV. Oh, that thing was huge. Yeah. And, it was and, like a uh, 65 inch TV or something. Like so that. thankfully the guy had a hidden camera, uh, and shows what this dude did. And I have the video of it. We're going to show it when we come back from a break, and we're going to talk about what he did and, and, and maybe just some tips on how you can avoid people like this screwing yeah. you too. So uh, we'll be back shortly, and we're going to go over this, and we're going to show you the video of this uh, of this uh, criminal? Sure. Yeah, I'll call him a criminal. Hooligan. Sure. Be right back. You'll notice that the theme today was money, right? We were talking about that. Um, so more money, more problems. Was that, was that one? I, I, I think at some point I'll probably stop talking about the return from uh, break audio that I've chosen. But for now, I'm really probably not. It. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe not. It's a good 30 seconds. It's funny because I feel like they require explanation, but they really don't. I, I, I Obviously, people are smart enough to figure it out. So uh, we're going to jump right into showing this video that I was talking about before the break, which is this um, contracted employee uh, from Samsung. So not hired directly by Samsung, but hired by a contractor that they send out to, to do repairs in people's homes of, of uh, TVs and whatever appliances or whatever you might have of theirs. Right. So in this case, this is a TV repair technician. The video I'm going to show you guys is a, uh, a kind of a hidden camera. I think it's just a cell yeah. phone sitting on a, I don't know, a stool or whatever it is. It's kind of tucked away. The guy doesn't see it. And um, the video, <clears throat> anybody with a really keen eye, the video that we're watching is actually on a YouTube channel from a guy named Lewis Rossman. Um, you're familiar with, with Rossman? Name. So, so yeah. Lewis Rossman is, is very, very popular in the, in the tech, um, 
I don't know, I even know how to describe it. He basically calls out major companies on their BS. And uh, that is, is what he's doing in this video. But mm -hmm. the guy who posted this video put it up on his own YouTube channel. It's pretty funny. He's got these little graphics and stuff about how Samsung tried to screw him and everything. So uh, first thing we're gonna do is just, I'm gonna show the video. I'm gonna try to get the audio through. I'm sorry that it sounds bad because it's just loud in the guy's room, but I'm, I'm gonna start playing it first and I'll kind of describe what you guys are seeing for anybody listening. Um, so let me make sure this audio is too loud. So what we're seeing is this Samsung <laughs> repair technician that's zoomed in, he's using a razor blade to put a scratch in the front of this guy's TV. It's not turned off yet. And what he's doing is he's like acting like he needs to have the uh, power turned off to this room and then turned back on. So the guy is over at the breaker panel and, uh, and then he comes back into the room after the power has been cycled. And again, sorry for the audio. The I'm going to turn this down just a little bit because it's so obnoxiously loud. It's still loud for you and I, but they'll be able to hear fine. And um, he's going through the, uh, the explanation now of like, okay, this is what I see. We can kind of hear him talking about, okay, it's just that purple spot in the middle of the screen that you want me to look at. And now he's pretending to be like, wait, what is this little scratch down here on the corner? Is this, was this here before? And the guy's like, I don't know. I don't know if it was here before, right? So um, I'm going to just go back. I'm going to mute the audio real quick here. But the uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go back to just show anybody watching what this guy does one more time. So he waits for the customer to leave the room in his home where the TV is, comes up to it with a razor blade, puts a slice in the front of the TV, and then and then puts his razor blade away. And the guy was lucky enough to be recording. Yeah. So Ryan looked into this a little bit. What was the reason that the guy was recording? I So... I didn't catch the exact reason why he was recording, but I know that this was the guy's third trip out. He had a problem with the screen. It was well within its warranties. That's like why within Sam, 90 days or whatever Yeah, it was, that's yeah. why Samsung sent the guy out and he replaced the screen already and has come back out for other problems with it. And so this was a, allegedly the third time that he had been out. So the guy felt the need to just, hey, let's, let's see what's going on. Let's just kind of record it. Kind of had a bad vibe from him, put up that camera. Right. And it's funny because you can see, it's not funny, it's sad, but you can see the guy come down the stairs, the tech, and kind of look up in For the corners because he's he knows what he's about to do. He's I don't want to say he's probably done it before, but I mean, he... Oh, of course he has. Let's, let's be real. He directed the guy away. He came back in the room, looked around in the ceiling for cameras, and then went straight into executing his plan. So this video, uh, you know, great thing that the customer recorded and held this guy accountable. Yeah. Um, this video was sent over to Samsung. Uh, Samsung uh, corporate got a hold of it and talked about it as at least what the guy says. And they sent him a brand new TV. <clears throat> and he made some good points. He's like, what about the fact that you guys like tried to scam me or I mean yeah. it, you know somebody who's representing you tried to scam me it's cool that my TV is getting replaced which it should have been still got this weird taste in my mouth yeah yeah like, like a little something like get why, why don't you throw me a free TV for for what I just went through I I had to be lied to multiple like this, times this replacement TV was under the warranty I was still yeah. a part of. How all does this... <laughs> all you did was give me what I was expecting you, out of the gate you after... fulfilled my warranty. <clears throat> yeah, just so ridiculous. And, and so... Um, my understanding is that the contractor's been terminated. I don't know about the company that they contract if they're still employing that particular contractor, but um, the point in bringing this up is to bring to your attention that a lot of the people who go either into your home or that you even send products back to will do things to avoid covering something under warranty. So recording as much as you can, taking pictures of whatever you can ahead of time, 
um, is a incredibly smart idea. It's why like tech to you has a process of when you bring a computer into our store, we turn it on on the front counter with you to verify the problem so that we oh, don't... Oh, man, can we make our techs wear body cams to people's houses? You know, we, we have talked about it, and, <laughs> and actually the only reason that we don't is because I feel weird about making our customers agree to like have a guy with a oh, camera sure, in their yeah. house, you know? That's, that's but for, for holding our techs accountable, I'm all for it. Like if there was some way to... to handle the accountability side for us, but not like, you know, make somebody's privacy a concern. Like I had an HVAC company come into my home one time. Actually, like you and I were talking about home warranty companies. Yeah, It was one they of the people out. hired from the home warranty company. Yeah. Uh, uh, two of them and they both had cameras on and I was like what if I like didn't want you recording the inside of my house dude we'd leave and he's like yeah then we can't do the service and I was like alright well I mean I didn't care that much so I let them do their <laughs> thing but anyway hold, hold these people accountable by documenting it's like when you move into an apartment and uh, and they and then you move out and they're like, oh, the the carpet is ruined. And you're like, oh man, the carpet looked like that before I moved in. Every time I rented, I I did a walkthrough with nothing else in the house and just got a nice everything. 1080p <clears throat> slow walkthrough video of the whole house. Oh nope that that mark on the counter was there when yeah. I moved in. Yeah. Oh man, I hate that. And you know, a lot of times I'm sure it's innocent. You know, sure. they miss it. But the, yeah, whole, you know, make sure you protect yourself. And this guy was smart by having a camera up in his house, even with a stranger being in his house. Um, I won't go into too much detail, but like I have surveillance in my house pretty much all the time. So whenever a contractor does come by, I can see whatever mm -hmm. went down. I can go back and record that video. Sit there and whisper to them as they walk into a room, make them think they're yeah, going yeah. crazy. What are you doing? Yeah, um, yeah but I, uh, I, you know, hold these hold these companies accountable. It does it does happen. Hold companies like ours accountable. Yeah. You know, this is the, your your job as the consumer. Unfortunately, needs to be to protect yourself in a lot of cases. Uh, it's the reason why we we say things like having you unique passwords and everything like that. We're trying to get you to protect you. Um, unfortunately, nobody's going to do it for you. Yeah. So uh, having a, a little camera set up when you have somebody come into your house or even just taking pictures of things before somebody starts working on it so you can go back and reference them later, um, save you so much time and, and headache and money. I think uh, in the one of the posts on Reddit for that video, mm -hmm. Adam Savage posted it. And he was talking about how when he sends things in for warranty, he uses a UV marker. <sighs> And marks in certain places so that if they send him back the same TV and they're like, hey, we gave you a new one, he could be like, ah, well, no. And here's the video of me making these marks and explaining why. And here's the video demonstrating that all of these same marks are still here. Yeah, that's pretty good. Which is obviously going taking it of such a great yeah. step to the next level. But. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's part of the reason why I think a lot of people call us as like, I don't know how to interact with this business and not get screwed. Like every time I call this company to try to get them to fix my computer that's under warranty, they give me the cold shoulder. And I don't know if, if that's legit. Like I actually should be getting the cold shoulder or am I in the right here? And yeah. so a lot of times our job is literally just a middleman and help people. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate that that's necessary, but it, but it does come up. Um, so, so one last thing, uh, unrelated to this, let me see if I can come up with a segue. Uh, a lot of times if you get screwed by a company like this, give you a headache, maybe even a fever. Oh. Hell of a segue. Come on. So, bad. so if you have a fever and you're not sure there's a new technology out, you can take advantage of. That's pretty good. That's yeah. That's basically a Linus Tech Tip. Ship it. Segue, right? <laughs> Ship it. <laughs> That's good. Um, so you have the Pixel Eight. 
Yep, not the pro. Not the pro. So the newest. calling it the Pixel 8 Junior. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the kids edition. The newest version of the Pixel 8 has um, an infrared sensor, is my understanding of the actual sensor that's on the back of it. And it was just uh, FDA cleared to be used as a temperature sensor thermometer. With relative accuracy, what your people temperature is. What your people temperature is. That's nice. Um, Rub it across your forehead and it will tell you uh, your temp. So actually, uh, when I got out of the hospital, I had an appendectomy recently. When I got out of the hospital, one of the things that they told me to keep a really close eye out for was a fever. It'd be mm-hmm. a good indication of, of problems that can happen after the surgery. And um, I, we have this, like, you know, stick it in your ear thing, and the battery died. And then when I put a new battery in, it, like, wouldn't work, and I didn't have anything else. And I was thinking to myself, like, I have so many sensors in this phone. There's like laser sensors, accelerometers. There's so many things built into this phone, and I don't have anything to take my temperature. And then, of course, very shortly after that, Google comes out and is like, you could take your temperature you with your phone. You can do this thing, and so it's dope. not on Apple. So if you're looking for a new phone, um, I actually still, if you're an Android person, I would still say I like the hardware and ca- capability of the S24, especially the S24 Ultra uh, by Samsung a little bit more. But for user experience, man, the Pixel is a great phone. Um, and the Pixel 8 Pro comes with that feature. It comes with other AI features uh, that you can only get, I think, on the Pro, if I'm not mistaken? Or is it just some, Pixel some 8? Of, some of the stuff is Pro, but the Pixel line, I think, from the 6 and up are getting the AI features. Are getting a lot of the AI features. We're surely going to go over those in, a, in another show. Ryan uh, turned on some of the brand new bar. No, not bar. They got rid of Gemini. that. Gemini. Yeah, it's now Gemini. Google Gemini is now the Google AI um world you know yeah. they're, they're a software as a google gemini so you turned it on didn't have a great experience with it um we're gonna it, ryan's gonna it's uh, a work in progress yeah he's gonna he's gonna go through some of the uh unfortunate work of of continuing to test it and and, and in, hatred enjoy my data google <laughs> yeah yeah and uh and, and and we're gonna talk about that and kind of what it's capable of it is as much as we criticize it it is still really impressive oh, technology yeah. yeah um but one of the things I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to is uh just speaking of emerging technology and phones I would love, you know, Apple comes out with their, they usually announce their new phones every September or so. It's kind of the typical annual cycle that they release new phones. But before that, they usually do what's called the Worldwide Developer Conference, and Mm -hmm. it's like spring. And in that conference, they talk about the new operating system and new features that it'll have. Sometimes you kind of get a little bit of a preview of what the new hardware might be based on some of the new software features that they're releasing. And, um, you know, having an infrared, an actual legitimate infrared camera would be the coolest. Oh, yeah. I have a plug-in. You've seen it uh, that I can plug into my phone. It's by a company called FLIR, or FLIR. FLIR. I don't really know how to pronounce it. F-L-I-R. Um, they're n- known to make you know very high-end uh, infrared instrumentation uh, in cameras. Like right. They make you know $10,000-plus cameras. Scope, cameras. Yeah, scopes for guns that are infrared, all kinds of stuff. Um, but they make this little plug-in attachment that you can put on phones, and, and you can see a, vi- you know, a visual representation of the heat in an area. I've used it for things like um, identifying weak areas of insulation in my attic. But you just point it up at the ceiling and you can see a big bright red spot in between two studs where the insulation fell down or whatever. Yep. Um, and and you can use it to identify leaks and cold spots and, and, and bad, you know, anyway. 
it's that kind of technology I'm really looking forward to talking about. And in a couple of uh, episodes in the future, probably maybe a month away, we're going to talk about some of the new devices, some of the new features, but I wanted to give a little bit of a preview with the uh, Google one. So uh, appreciate everybody being with us today. We have um, a lot more to go over next week. There's never ending scams. And of course, if you have any questions or anything you want us to go over, email in rad at radradio.com. Emails will come straight over to me and I would be happy to go over everything that you have questions about. Uh, until next Tuesday, we will see you. Enjoy all of the uh, the last pass and all the password stuff that we, we want to you to go to work on. If you have questions on it, as always, email in and we will see you next Tuesday. Peace out. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. I'll be back. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Goodbye.